Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast, produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland, my name is Bill Winnell, as always, joined by Monsignor Charles Pope. Good afternoon, Monsignor Pope. Good afternoon. Father and Father Larry Swing, how are you, Father? Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Better than yesterday, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Today, yeah, I just had that 24 hour bug, man. I don't know what that was. That bug was ugly. Anyway. <laughs> Today, we're going to continue our, uh, our series uh, based on the retreat the two fathers did um, on the Beatitudes. And today, we're going to cover Blessed Are the Merciful. So, Father. Okay. So, as we're continuing through uh, in order, the Beatitudes, the one that we are on now is Blessed Are the Mercifuls, for they shall be shown mercy. And, um, you know, the Greek word for merciful uh, comes from the Greek word, which means uh, an outward manifestation of pity through action, essentially. Monsignor might have some more depth to that, but it's basically when we see suffering, we do something about it. Uh, and um, this is a very practical yet uh, important uh, part of being a Christian. Uh, we see this especially in the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the priest and the Levite pass by the other side and the Samaritan helps this guy to the ditch. And um, our Lord you know, tells us, you know, as this man showed mercy, so shall you be shown mercy. So uh, there's many ways we can look at this because there's, you know, receiving mercy, but then showing mercy, forgiveness, um, and then also like doing something about it when we see suffering. So Monsignor, um, let's dive a little bit into sort of the biblical background of this word, uh, being merciful. And what are some of the connotations if I missed any from that sort of brief intro? Well, I think you're right. Uh, the, the, the Greek word implies not just a feeling, but a feeling combined with an action that one is not just feeling lousy that someone's hurting. They, they're, they're moved to do something about it, to change or to help, you know? So it's, it's, it's something that moves us. It isn't just a feeling, uh, but, uh, but moves us to some virtuous act. Uh, the Latin misericordia means literally misery of heart, um, to, be, to be suffering with those who are suffering, um, and, and their suffering becomes our own. Um, so these two insights, again, are a reminder to us that, first of all, we want to make sure we don't just turn this into a moralism, you know, be kind to those who are suffering. Okay, nice. Thank you. And just move on. But rather, remember how the Beatitudes are. It's, it's how blessed, how flourishing, how happy your life becomes when you are merciful. That is to say, when you receive a heart from me, says the Lord, that has a, a, a deep love for your neighbor and an aversion to seeing them suffer. And that it's a motivational suffering, like blessed are those who mourn. You know, they see the awful state of God's people and are moved, moved to want to do something about it. That grief becomes a, a kind of energy or a motivation. And so here, too, with this blessed are the merciful, namely that um, it's something that we receive from the Lord. And it because of this, it makes our life more blessed. Um, so this is the... The first thing we want to say, um, rather than just turn it into a moralism, be good to those who are in the hospital. And uh, <laughs> Bill, we, we had to see you there too recently, right? But all that's the way of saying, you know, we've got um, more than a moralism at work here. This is a grace. This is, remember, the whole Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes all the way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is not just 
a list of do's and don'ts. It is a picture of the transformed human person. This is what your life is increasingly like when I'm living my life in you, okay? And among the things that will bring you a blessedness, a flourishing understanding is that you will have a love in your heart for those, especially the poor and the sick and the suffering, that will move you to assist them and love them and care for them because you want to, not just because, well, I ought to do this, you know, that kind of a thing. Okay, if that makes sense. Uh, we could, we could uh, maybe you can guide us, if you will, in your own thoughts with the biblical roots, our Father. I can follow you there more specifically. Sure. Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, I mean, one is obviously, I think that the most popular of the Gospels where uh, our Lord brings us up is, is the Good Samaritan, also the for the Last Judgment where he says, what you did for the least of my brethren, you did for, you did it to me. Uh, and I, I, I'm, we've talked about this in the past where we're like, wait a minute, are we just going to be judged because we forgot to feed the poor and, you know, all this other stuff and, oh, whoops. Uh, but uh, it's, it's obviously not a complete exhaustive list of what we'll be judged upon, but it's interesting how our Lord uses the right. uh, corporal works of mercy as one of the means by which we'll be judged at the last at the last judgment. So maybe we could just take that. Like, why? I mean, you know, when when we have such a you know an abandonment of a lot of the commandments right now, i.e., the sixth commandment, the third commandment, the first commandment are being blown out of the water in most people's lives. Why would be? Why would our Lord be concerned about the uh, works of mercy? Yeah, I think that. It, it, it's nothing. Okay. What's the acid test of being a Christian? You know, right. Jesus says, look, it's to love your enemy. Right. So he says, look, even the pagans love those who love them and love them. Uh, you know, even, even, even wicked people do good things to do good things for them. But here's how you'll really prove you're my disciple when you love your enemy. But by extension, um, we we uh, showing mercy means not so much that there are enemies, but the other acid test is that you know the, your love for one, your neighbor or if, and for one another is also uh, it, it stands out as profoundly different and better than than simply the the pagans uh, and what they do. So um, we start to see here the Lord is kind of saying in the whole Sermon on the Mount, what exceeding are you doing? You know, how are you different or better than simply those around you? Okay, so with that in mind, um, nothing demonstrates maybe more a, a Christ-like heart than those who have uh, have a, a pity or a mercy for their for their brothers and sisters, even when their brothers and sisters seem undeserving of it. What were we doing when Christ was up on the cross, you know? Man, I don't know about you, but... You know, what did Paul say? You know, maybe someone would die for a righteous man, but Christ proves his love for this, that while we were still his enemies, he died for us. And he showed us he wanted to bring us healing and grace and strength. And so nothing maybe more perfectly illustrates uh, this this example of Christ than, than us being also merciful and engaging in the works of mercy. Now, you mentioned it's very important, Father. There's a lot of emphasis today on the the corporal works of mercy, and fine, and they're good, and they're beautiful, and they're necessary. But notice again, 
even the pagans often agree on a lot of this stuff today, the heathen, the unbelievers, whatever the, the updated, less provocative word is um, for heathen or pagans, um, the Gentiles, whatever. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, it's the spiritual works of mercy that are often... The, the, word, the, word, the word is nuns. <laughs> <laughs> That's N-O-N-E-S. Yes, right? N-O-N-E-S, yes. Yeah, but all that said, it's, um, you know, there. Now, a couple thoughts I have also on this. In, in, in addition to the judgment scene in Matthew 25 that you're talking about, there's also some statements by the Lord. He says in the Beatitudes, again, what we're looking at today, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. And James kind of reverses this, and he says, merciless is the judgment on the one who has shown no mercy. And elsewhere, the Lord says, for if you forgive men their sins, your father will forgive you your sins. But if you don't forgive them their sins, your father won't forgive you. The measure that you measure to others will be measured back to you. And so mercy is so critically important to the Lord because it's really at the heart of what he does for us. It's that he takes care of us even when we're not worthy. He takes care of us even when we're not you know, acting like his brothers and sisters, you know, um, he, he doesn't count the cost. He paid it all. And so uh, the, the, the idea is that I don't know about you. I, I, I think I know about all of us, but I'll just say, I don't know about you, but I'm going to need a lot of grace and mercy on the day of judgment. Yes, I am. And I better, well, what I can actually influence the way the, the standard the Lord will use to judge me with. If I've been merciful to others, he'll be merciful to me. If I have not been merciful, he will not be merciful. Strict justice. And you and I cannot endure that. We've mm. got to sort of, if you will, store up treasure, of the treasure of mercy for ourselves in heaven. Mm. Um, and uh, otherwise, man, we don't stand a chance. Mm. And so I think that it, we're admonished by the Lord um, because ultimately he will use the standard for us. Mm. that we have used for others. And so he admonishes, he warns us to have mercy. Right. Well, you know, it, it, this this one particular part you're talking about, you know, where you're linking it with, um, you know, a lot has to do with forgiveness and giving people, um, showing them compassion, even if they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. I think is, is at the core of this particular beatitude. And I think we we lose that sense is because our Lord, I mean, it's, the Beatitudes set up the rest of the Sermon on the Mount because, you know, the Lord will say something along the lines, and I paraphrase him, you know, you do, you know, you, you do good things for those who do good, uh, do good to you. Don't the heathens do the same, you know, yeah. like, and, but I think as humans, we, um, we tend to be like that where we love those who love us. Yeah. We treat those who treat us well, well, and we basically treat like garbage <laughs> that don't like us and don't treat us well. I mean, even, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, me culpa, I'm sure I've fallen into this category myself and, or thought things. And, but, you know, a lot of times we talk to people and uh, they'll say things, well, I hate so-and-so, uh, you know, usually about some public figure, like, whoa, whoa, that's strong language there, pal, you know, for yeah. a Catholic to hate, you know, to wish harm upon them. Um, <laughs> where, so I guess the question is, where do we begin this journey of becoming merciful and is it first um, recognizing um, our own neediness first and our re receiving this mercy? Is it start with forgiveness or is it just sort of like you were saying, it's not like, well, let's go get a 
let's go work at a, at a, at a food pantry. And then I'll start living this, this beatitude, you know, which is a good start. But I mean, where, where, what, what's it the, what's the heart of the matter when we're trying to have a merciful heart where, you know, um, maybe we can use it, maybe, uh, maybe some, some examples of the saints or just maybe other biblical examples. Yeah, well, let's let's take a, a look at. Uh, I think first of all, to answer the main question, let's remember, careful, we're not going to go out there to be merciful just to store up mercy, like we were some mercenary or mer mercantile guy, just trying to you know do you know pad our investments. Um, but we do remember the beatitude is something that we receive. So how blessed, how flourishing, and happy your life becomes when you're merciful, because then you're going to find that you'll receive mercy from God and God will not be outdone in generosity. But the point is how happy, how flourishing when you receive this gift to look upon others with mercy, um, to be kind. And so we want to think the work of mercy, not just simply as um, the, um, you know, going out and helping the sick or the corporal works or the, even the spiritual works of mercy, but rather we also have to understand the works of mercy to involve forgiving our enemy, loving our enemy. And again, do you know, Father, I mean, how many people, you, I'm sure you do because you're a confessor, but we, we all know how anger just weighs us down. It consumes us and how great it would be to just be free of it, you know, mm. <laughs> and and to just no longer carry that awful burden of anger and revenge for the bad things that have happened to us. And I often have to say to people, as I'm sure you do, um, look, uh, at some point, we have to accept the fact that, um, you know, that, that God's going to take care of things. You know, one of the ways to put down these bowling balls of anger and resentment and bitterness is, is to go, let God say something to you. Regarding those who have hurt you, I want you to understand something. I saw everything they did. I heard everything they said. I know. And they're going to answer to me for it one day if they don't repent. Let's hope they do. But they're going to answer to me. Would you give me now your anger? Give me your bitterness. Give me your resentment. Give it to me. And I will hold this. And I will take care of this. And one day, yeah, they'll, they'll answer to me. Now, that's a start. That's where the Lord begins to go to work in our heart to show us that forgiveness and mercy are a gift to be received, not just something to be yelled at. You you must forgive. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah. we just turned it into a human effort. What, 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 what the Lord is really saying is, I need for you to have a heart open to receive this gift I can give you, to forgive, to even love your enemy, mm. and and to, to not hold bitterness and you know father we and bill we, we we see today these wars that are in the world uh, that are going on and so many of these grievances go back hundreds thousands of years and you know why your great 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 grandfather did this to my great 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 grandfather and therefore i hate your guts and you will pay the stuff that this does to the human family this lack of forgiveness, this harm, this anger, this wrath and vengeance. And the Lord says, give it to me. You know, don't go on carrying all of this. And you see, if you really see uh, that anger is a terrible, terrible burden for us. Mm 
Mm. And so the Lord is offering us a very precious gift here in this beatitude. Mm. He's saying, if I live my life in you, this will begin to happen. Do you know the load that will start to go off your shoulders when you stop carrying around that big chip on mm. your shoulder? Yeah. You know, I was, I was at the, I was walking around yesterday and in uh, um, one of the offices, they had this little pamphlet on Alessandro, sorry, I think it's Saratelli. And um, he was the man who killed Maria Goretti. And uh, there's this beautiful letter he wrote in his eighties before he died. And the, the amazing thing is he's, I think his cause is up for sainthood, which is unbelievable. Yeah, because he right. he a, a, attempted to rape this young girl and murdered her uh, yeah, brutally. 17 yeah, yeah, seventeen times, and I'll, I'll always always get choked up. And I've said mass at her tomb, I think three times. Oh, t- yeah. two or three times. Yeah, it's one of the ugliest churches in the world. But her body, <laughs> is, her beautiful body is below the altar. I, you know, right. God help her for that church. But um, but uh. I, I just remember like that story I heard from a priest once about how when, um, you know, she said something along the lines where, you know, that he, when he was, when he was uh, taken out of prison after doing, he converted and did a lot of hard, hard time in prison. And uh, his first stop when he got out was her house, the mother's house, Asunta's. And he knocks on the door of Asunta and, and you can imagine he opens the door and there's, the mom, a lot yeah. older, yeah. and her, pro, you know, she was like, you know, she was like his second mom to him. And, uh, and she, the, but just the amazing thing is she said to her surviving kids that were still at home, hey, everyone come to the door and see the man who made Maria a saint, you know, yeah. and just forgave him. And then they went to mass together. You know, it's just like. She geez. also said something very beautiful when he said to her, will you forgive me for what I've done? And um, I, uh, he, she said, how can I not forgive you what my daughter has? Mm, yeah. My daughter who you killed has, you know, and from now on you will be like my son. Mm, yeah. That's, beautiful. that's powerful. And, and you know, that was a work of God. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's what you're saying this this gift received, you know, and to be able to say that and how freeing it must've been to the townspeople like no, who who else could hold a grudge after saying that? Do you know what I mean? Like you, you just couldn't because the the mother of the one that had been murdered had forgiven him. Then I, I mean, unless you had a, I mean, obviously people can have their own ideas and their conceptions of forgiveness, obviously, which are very uh, rational and make sense. Like he shouldn't, he doesn't deserve it. But that's the point. He does not deserve it. Right. And and mercy is giving what we don't deserve. You know. So I think that's uh, all right. Well, let's let's take a turn here, Monsignor. Um, you know, we both, uh, we have, uh, well, I'm in the country now, but I'll be back there sh- shortly. You know, in the city, we see a lot of homeless people. Mm. And, you know, what's your take? Or, you know, you got the average person listening to this podcast. Guy comes to the door or you're walking down the street. Father, can you give me some money? Um, you know, what's the W, you know, WWJD uh, answer that? What would Jesus do answer? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I you know, because... A yeah. lot of times people will say, well, no, no, you're, you know, you're feeding an addiction or you're doing this or that. Um, how do you live the gospel and, and still show compassion to someone who's homeless? I mean, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah, you, you've worked a lot in the city and your take on that, because it's a question I get all the time. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, 
I, I have often used John chapter six. You know, there is there are there is a place in the gospel where Jesus did deal with panhandlers. <laughs> and they remember he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and then he sent the apostles across the lake, probably uh, you know to the other side, and he he went up on the mountain to pray. Eventually, he gets over there near Capernaum where they are all gathered. All these people who got the free meal ran around the, the top of the lake and got over there. And as soon as um, they see Jesus, they say, "Hey, Rabbi." <laughs> when did you get here, man? He says, and Jesus says, I want to assure <laughs> you, you're not, you're not seeking me because you saw signs and want to put your faith in me, but because you had your bellies filled. You should not be seeking for food that perishes, but food that lasts unto eternal life, which the Son of Man wants to give you. And then he goes through the long bread of life discourse, and many of them are just like, ah, we're out of here, man. This guy's crazy, and uh, he ain't going to give us bread the kind of bread we want. So they left. Now, that's the upshot of the story. But I think that to say that Jesus, what would Jesus do? WWJD. What is, is, is a very kind of, I, I think it's generally meant in a very smarmy kind of a way because it's almost always like Jesus would be nice. And it doesn't, it's not always true. Jesus would sometimes confront and sometimes he'd say, repent. And sometimes he say, go sell all you have and follow me. I mean, he could say hard things. And um, so this idea that Jesus would just, you know, put on a little bracelet and it glows in the dark, WWJD, and walk around <laughs> like Mr. Peace Guy. Do you, have, other hand, do you have one of those, by the way? I do not. <laughs> and I didn't get one even when they were popular, okay? I, because I was on to them. They're, they're, they're not representing the real Christ here. They don't really mean... Oh, he'd probably say, repent and believe the gospel, or how are you to avoid being sentenced to hell? I mean, he could sometimes say things like that. All right, not, not <laughs> Getting back to your main point, which is this, that look, um, I, I think that it's, it's, it is sometimes the easiest thing for us to do is just hand a few bucks and think that we did something. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying ever do that. I'm, I think, you know, you have to follow what, what you think God is asking you to do in that moment. But for the most part, again, I, I wonder if it isn't a better use of our time. In fact, frankly, I don't even carry cash anymore. I don't know about the other, the two of you, but I don't even have the cash to give anymore. It's all on the card, you know? Yeah. And every now and again, I'll say, well, I'll go and get you a sandwich. What do you want? You know, or whatever. But I, I can't uh, necessarily think that it's generally a good thing to give out money, but, um, uh, anyway, all that said, I think what the truer thing, notice what Jesus did. If you want to really say, what did Jesus really do? Uh, more than just being nice, he said to them, look, if you had the same concern for your soul that you had for your body, you'd be halfway to heaven by now. Mm. Uh, but the point is that, you know, you've got to, you know, reexamine some of your priorities. So here too, going back to an older model, and we've talked about it, I think before in this podcast, Back in the old days, um, I remember old St. Mary's was a, just up the street from a place called the Gospel Mission. And St. Mary's, the city parish that I was my home parish, um, would be involved with, the, with, that, with that Gospel Mission. Uh, we gave monies and some of the people would volunteer over there. Now, all that said, those homeless people were brought into the big cafeteria that was there and opened three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But they weren't getting any food until they heard a sermon, hmm. some reading from scripture. Right. That minister would get up there. He was going. He had that old time religion that says, "Look, uh, you're probably hungry because your soul's also hungry." And so that's what Jesus is getting at. He says, "You shouldn't be seeking food that perishes, 
but food that lasts to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So we've always been, in our better moments, able to combine the spiritual works of mercy with the corporal works of mercy and to realize that they go hand in glove. They're meant to be together, not separated out like they are today. And right. um, Oh, don't no, treat I like them. You'll embarrass them. No, you know, I that like that. I like yeah. that. I like that. Well, let's let's uh, just for the folks out there, it's just a, a reminder of the, you know, when we talk about the works of mercy, the differences. I'm just gonna list the corporal and then and then also the spiritual, and then we can maybe maybe talk about the the lesser practice ones, you know, mm -hmm. that maybe we could, we think about. But it is something to examine our conscience. Uh, number one, which everyone is feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the imprisoned, bury the dead, give alms to the poor are the spiritual, are the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy are admonish the sinner, instruct the under, ignorant, counsel the doubtful, comfort the sorrowful, bear wrongs patiently, forgive all injuries, and lastly, pray for the living and the dead. Um, so, wow. So I guess, uh, you know, that being said, Monsignor, from your perspective, which of these... Well, I'll tell you the ones that are probably practiced pretty well in most parishes. Almost every parish, whether they're, I don't know, I think a lot of them have good things with with feeding the hungry. There's most parishes have like some kind of thing like yeah. this. Um, sometimes, you know, paying some bills, visiting the sick, sometimes. Um, I would say uh, the spiritual works of mercy are probably more lacking. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, a modest center, that's first and foremost, never really done because uh, we're not we're not supposed to do that, right? Because it hurts some people's feelings. Um, instructing the ignorant, you know, mm. let's talk, let's talk about those two for a mo moment, but especially instructing the ignorant, you know, um, <laughs> you know, like where do you, I, this actually, I, I find as a priest, you have to do a lot of this because it's not people's fault for not knowing mm. certain things. You know what I mean? Uh, so no. give, give some, uh, maybe some, uh, nuggets for people out there about how they can instruct the ignorant a little bit. Well, I think there's, uh, you know, first of all, let's capture, recapture the word ignorant. It doesn't mean stupid or foolish or dumb. Ignorant yeah. just means someone who doesn't know something, you, you right. know, ignotion. I don't, something I just don't know. You know, that's all. Ignoramus means we just don't know. Uh, so it may or may not be morally responsible for that. But the point is that I think whenever the church, uh, you know, holds classes for the, you know, adult education, you know, also, of course, you know, children's Sunday school or, or Catholic schools and so on, this is part of instructing the, the ignorant. Um, uh, it's also, again, like I, I think of good Father Michael Schmitz and others who do great and effective podcasts. I'd like to think this podcast, these are ways that the church does reach out. I think that many parishes have some degree of adult education going. Admonishing the sinner, well, that's going to depend a lot on the pastor, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, you know, this idea that we're supposed to just meet Mr. Nice Guy up there saying, and everyone's fine, all are welcome. Well, that's not complete. All are welcome to repent and believe the good news, you know, but right. It, it, it's not a, um, um, there, you know, the St. Thomas says, you know, the fraternal correction is an act of charity. He, he piles it under the treatise on charity, not under some other thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's an act of charity or kindness to correct a sinner or to admonish a sinner. So I think we've got to get a lot better with that one. Um, counseling the doubtful. 
I think you and I as priests do a lot of that kind of work. Um, Father, you know, people come into us, they're troubled and, you know, they, they need encouragement, um, maybe counseling and so on. And um, we, we're happy to provide it. I also think though that maybe as a church, we could be a little bit better about maybe developing more of a cadre of uh, experienced lay people, especially in the area of marriage troubles, marriage difficulties and um, yeah. things like that. So I think that there's room for improvement, but I right. do think we have something of that going on. Um, you yeah. know, yeah. of course, deliverance ministry, and these kinds of things, ultimately confession, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then praying for the living and the dead, you know, and I think praying for the dead, that's, uh, that's a whole podcast in itself, you know, um, but is he, is he, is she in a better place? <laughs> <laughs> and we just did the, we did the funeral yesterday. You know, I, I've shared this, I shared this story before, um, on Monsignor, where I think I shared on the, on the men's retreat. Um, there was this old crusty uh, bus driver at St. Mary of the Mills. You probably remember him, Joe Laughlin. He was in charge yeah. of the lectors. Remember him? Yeah. yeah I, I, he was a character. And um, yeah. he told me that the greatest day of his life when he got off the boat and was in New York and he, he celebrated a high mass. And he was, uh, he was one of the servers and he was in tears. And yeah. he goes, I said, why didn't you become a priest, Joe? And he's like, I killed so many guys in the war. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I mean, you just had a really big heart and uh, never, <laughs> never heard him cuss ever. He used to say, Oh, sugar. And, um, <laughs> and he told me a story about, um, I don't know if you, I mean, you, should, you know, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan uh, was actually a personal friend of his because he used mm. to drive Michael Jordan when he was a tar, a university of North, North Carolina Tar Heel to some of his games at Maryland. And then later on when he was a Chicago bull mm. and, Years later, when his father got killed at that rest stop on the way to see his son's game, you know, he's, you know, he's just an old timer, just didn't want to get a hotel room. He decided to sleep in a rest stop and they, he got held up and killed. Um, mm. It was tragic. Um, he bought, he sent Michael Jordan a mass card and said, Hey, I had a mass said for your father. Michael Jordan called him up on his cell phone. He said, hey, Joe, uh, I don't know what a mass is, man, but it sounds like some Catholic thing, but I really appreciate it. And I know my dad appreciates it too. You know, and then Joe kind of explained the whole thing about the mass, which you never know what that could have done to Michael Jordan, you know, but uh, it's one of those things. Like, it's just a really awesome thing to remember someone when they've died, you know? Imagine uh, Michael Jordan in your RCIA class. Seriously. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. You have to get now, a special chair made or something, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> right. 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 Um, listen, you know, I want to just say just about praying for the dead. It's really fallen off. I don't know if you've found the same thing, uh, Father Larry, but I, I can say that there was a time when every parish just about, you know, you'd have to, you had to be on the waiting list for a long time to get masses said because everybody was doing that, and people were praying. And we had, we had a backlist. In fact, we had um something we developed called unannounced masses. We had so many mass requests that we would be able to farm some of them out to the missions or to other parishes. Right. That you know, in need of them, but my gosh, uh, it's, you know, we're making them up now sometimes. Yeah. It's, so I've been, I, keep, I keep going and say, please, please have masses said, and it's just not, I think we're burying the last generation that was trained to do this. Yeah. We yeah. We're, an old, we're, an, old, we're yeah. an older parish and, and down here and it's still, we main, ours is probably full three months out, which, which okay. from what I understand Great. is not the norm uh, anymore. 
And yeah. again, though, it is we you know recognize it's a generational thing. We are an older parish, and that's where all these are coming from. As a matter of fact, we, we, it's it's a, such a good thing uh, to have that our priests were con- uh, kind of mulling around getting rid of one of our weekday evening masses. And mm-hmm. one of one of the reasons we had to wait so long was because people had paid three months, four months out for this particular yeah. mass. And, you know, that I remember we couldn't end it until the last Wednesday evening mass was, you know, was, uh, was done. But yeah, it, it's, um, it's a, it's still a thing down here, but it's, you, you see who comes in and, and does this. It's, yeah. it's not the 27 year olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a twofold reason for that bill on Monsignor. I think one is we don't understand what the mass is and how every mass is said for the dead. And I think it's just a, a just a lost concept that actually will be judged and end up in purgatory if yeah. we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just everyone goes straight to heaven, even though even though they don't do anything on earth that remotely looks like the love of God or neighbor. <laughs> right. I can tell you, every every funeral I celebrate, and I celebrate a lot of them these days. You know, um, I always say, if I mention purgatory, I mention uh, praying for the dead. And I think, you know, people are kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, you know. So it's hard <laughs> to get this thing reignited. But at the end of the day, I think in this year of the Eucharist, we ought to remember the power of the Eucharist plus our, the, the real need that the deceased have for us to pray for them. Our lady said to the to the children at Fatima regarding one young lady, who was just a young girl living in a simple little village, that she'd be in purgatory for the rest of the, until the end of the world. Yeah, how frightening is that? What does she do, man? Oh, and, yeah. and and so, you know, but I mean, Our Lady is sort of, she, you know, she's just saying it plain. She's saying, look, some people are really languishing, and uh, our prayers can make a huge, huge difference. Anyway, I think, like you say, that's a whole separate podcast, Father. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should do something on purgatory and the Mass and why we have Masses said for the dead. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, too, it's maybe good to mention a couple um saints that showed showed mercy um you know one in particular was um i was i i was looking at different saints and uh i didn't know this about saint ignatius of Loyola, but apparently he walked a hundred listen to this uh you know to to visit the sick he walked a hundred miles during the winter mm. to nurse a man who had fallen ill a man who only a few weeks earlier had stolen ignatius's meager savings <laughs> I mean, I something this like I have a long way to go to be a yeah. saint. <laughs> Walked a hundred miles in the winter. Bearing wrong patiently, huh? <laughs> yeah. After this guy hijacked him for all his money. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. And I, I guess I it just has to be like he realized, like, you know, this is this is um what God has done to me, I should do to others, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Yes. Alex, I, I have my notes here. It's interesting. I know we got the pro-life march coming up. Uh, we still have a pro-life march, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's really not talked about much, unfortunately, but uh, we should, we should be going stateside with that. But I, I always think about, you know, Mother Teresa where, you know, she's in front of all these, all these people at the prayer breakfast in 1994. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and if you ever watched the video, it's very like, oh, it's just stunning. She gets up there and like, everyone's like glued on her already. She's going to talk about feeding the poor. And she says, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is war against the child. 
a direct dealing, killing of the innocent child murdered by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? How do we yeah. persuade a woman not to have an abortion? As always, we must persuade her with love and we remind ourselves that love means to be willing to give until it hurts. Jesus gave his own life to love us. I mean, it's just great, you know, like in front of all these, you know, it's in front of, uh, you know, Al Gore and everyone, <laughs> President Mrs. Clinton, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. And then she said, the father of the child, whoever it is, he must also give until it hurts, you know, I'm sure that homily <laughs> hurt for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Right. But she showed, but she like, and they asked her, why did you talk about the mother? She goes, it had to be said. <laughs> That's what they needed to hear. You know, mm -hmm. it was merciful, right? right. I mean, right. she she was instructing the ignorant. You know, sure, um, trying to save some lives too, right? Yeah, you know, it's just and she saw suffering. She did something about it. You know, and that's this is a woman who probably fed more mouths than anyone collectively in any diocese could have done. You know, together. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. All right, Bill, you got anything we could throw in this? I know we've kind of bounced around on different aspects of mercy, but as the layperson in the group, and you see anything we could just make some closing remarks about? No, the the whole anger thing <clears throat> that, that we discussed kind of, you know, at length. Um, it seems, it seems that I don't, I, you know, again, I don't hear confessions. Um, well, maybe I do. I just, I just can't, uh, I just can't. You probably well. hear more than you I hear. Think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <clears throat> in all honesty, though, I think it's the one thing that that so many of us. Uh, now, I'll just talk about the lay people now. Uh, you know, ha have in common and can relate to. I mean, we just you know we just finished the Christmas holidays. You know, I talked to several people again, and there, you know, at least one of them had a story about. Oh, you know, oh, my family makes me so angry, and there's strife in the family and everything else. It's something that all of us, all of us can you know and relate to, and probably. Well, I should say most likely um, need need to work on. Uh, it, you know, it's uh, to do a deep dive into our, uh, you know, our own, um, you know, uh, shortcomings as far as anger goes. It just seems it's, it's everyone's angry uh, at someone, and and it you're right. It, what it can do to you physically, and you know, you're the one that's mad you, without having anybody mad at you. You're the one that's mad at someone. It just mm -hmm. eats at you, um, but but like I said, it's it just seems like it's prevail. It's just so out there with everyone. Yeah. Right. 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 So, all right, well, folks. Well, I think we've kind of you know a little bit shorter than usual, but I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes you a little know. short on mercy here. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we were short on mercy, but anyway, uh, God will make up for the difference where we lack, you know. Yeah, but, but just uh, to leave with the last admonition, you're, you're going to need mercy. Yeah. All of us are going to need a lot of mercy. And the Lord says, then show mercy. You know, I tell you, I, you know, I'm going to judge you strictly on the day of judgment, but I'm according to what you've done, but you can also have me use a better standard, namely mercy, if you show mercy, you know. Right. There we anyway. go. All right, folks, we'll show mercy. And like Monsignor said, we will need mercy and always never, never give up on, on God's mer mercy because he never gives up on us too. And um, if it wasn't for his mercy, we would, we would all be damned essentially, you know? And, um, but, you know, thank God, you know, his, his mercy is inexhaustible. St. Faustina yeah. says, and um, thanks be to God for that. And, um, you know, and that's another thing too. I think 
I mean, another thing I would say, I'm, I'm sure most of you listeners go to frequent confession, but I think that if people that go to confession frequently tend to be more merciful to others because their their pride is broken, you know, when they have to humble themselves before the Lord. And uh, and usually there's a sort of a compassion that comes when you receive the mercy of God, you know, when you, you know, uh, and it's just something that that it does, you know. So uh, if you're if you have a maybe a little bit of an edge, so to speak, and critical spirit, you know, ask yourself, maybe when was the last time I went to confession and really, you know, broke that chain a little bit. So, oh, all right, Monsignor, your blessing, please. Okay, Lord, please give us your mercy uh, so that we can have it to share with others. Help us experience it and then be able and willing and joyfully share it with others. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.